0: Pastor Xavier Reese describes the coming enemy of the Lord.
1: The dragon appears 31 times in the book of Revelation. Notice the dragon is the enemy of God and Israel. This is a symbol and title of Satan, the serpent. The source of the persecution during the tribulation, and great tribulation is satanic, very, very evident. It is the dragon. Everything comes from the authority of hell, from Satan himself through the
0: antichrist. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Throughout history, there have been very few seasons of true peace. It's always been about a struggle of one kingdom against another. Well, Pastor Xavier reminds us that the same is also true for the spiritual world. Satan is constantly waging war against the kingdom of God. Today, as he takes us back to his study from the book of Revelation, we learn about God's plan for His chosen people, Israel.
1: Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 17, and the message entitled, Israel, Messiah, and Satan. War is defined in the following way by the American Heritage Dictionary. Listen well. A state of open arm, often prolonged conflict carried on between nations, states, or parties. A condition of active antagonism or contention. A concerted effort or campaign to combat or put an end to something considered injurious. What an accurate definition of the spiritual warfare that has been going on since the rebellion of Satan against God in heaven. We are born into warfare. As we look to the book of Revelation, we see the epitome of it as we're going to see here. The outcome... Of the war was stated from the very beginning, right after Satan waged war on the children of God, Adam and Eve, in Genesis 3.15. Listen to it. Here it is. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. From the beginning, God declares the warfare and the outcome of it. The bruising of the heel was a temporal wound of Jesus on the cross. He rose after three days. The bruising of the head, the crushing of the head, is the destruction of the authority of Satan eternally. He tells you who wins the war at the beginning. Jesus does. This conflict of war will reach its climax, as I said, during the Great Tribulation, as Satan empowers the Antichrist to reign supremely on the earth. And so what we want to do is look at John's vision regarding the persecution of Israel by Satan here in chapter 12 during the great tribulation period, which is presented in a threefold movement. Let me read the chapter so we have a good handle on it. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon, and under her feet and her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery dragon, Having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. He drew, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon with his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. Who was cast of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come, for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore, rejoice, O heaven, And you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, times half a time, from the presence of the serpent." So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The persecution of Israel by Satan during the Great Tribulation period. Presented in a three-fold movement. Here it is. First, the vision of the woman, her child, and Satan. Verse 1 through 6. Second, the vision of Satan being cast out of heaven. Verse 7 through 12. And then third, the vision of the woman persecuted by Satan. Verses 13 through 17. The common denominator and thread in all three points is Satan. He's the source. All through it. Don't miss that. Now... Let's begin here. Look at the vision of the woman, her child, and Satan in verse 1 through 6. The woman and her condition is given to us in verse 1 and 2. The woman is called a great sign, appearing in heaven. Remember, John says, earth, heaven, you got to find out where he's at. Where is this taking place? The word sign means something splendid or grand in scale. And the word is used for the deceptive miracles that the Antichrist does in the book of Revelation. Chapter 13, verse 13, verse 14, 16, 14, and other portions. Now, notice the woman appears clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and her head garland uh, of the 12 stars. Now, the identity of the woman is related to the Old Testament. Most of what you find in the book of Revelation, contrary to what people say, comes from the Old Testament. We already have it. And the interpretation, most of it is given to us. We're not left to our free subjective interpretation. Most of it is interpreted for us. God knows how our imagination can wander. And so he makes sure that we're not going to be able to make mistakes in these critical texts that he gives to us. Joseph interprets who this woman is. It goes back to Genesis chapter 37, verse 8 through 10. You remember when Joseph, God was training him before he went to Egypt? And he gave them dreams, and he told his brothers they were going to bow down to him, and they got all upset. Well, then there in Genesis 37, 8 through 10, his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. And so he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, Listen, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Right here, we have the interpretation of what is given here in Revelation. It's the nation of Israel. We're not left to our own interpretation. This image is found in the Old Testament, and it's identified for us who it is. So we cannot give it any other identity. Now, Abraham's seed, as you know, often is likened unto the the stars of the heavens. Genesis 15, 5 is one passage, many others. The multitude, God would multiply them. Notice in verse 2, the woman is pregnant. The woman is with a child. Having established that the woman is Israel, it isn't very difficult to figure out who the child is, right? No, duh. It's Christ. There are two scriptural reasons for it. First, Israel gave birth to Christ, not the church. But secondly, look at verse 5. It confirms that the child is God. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in the throne. We're pretty limited. You understand? We're given the interpretation. Now notice the woman's difficulty at birth. She cries out in her labor, in pain to give birth, under harsh Roman rule. This is a common metaphor of, of, of a woman pregnancy throughout the Old Testament, Isaiah 26, 17, 66, 78, and many other passages. And here's when the time when Jesus was going to be born. And as you know, the persecution took place and all that. We'll touch on some. Now notice in verse 3 and 4 the dragon and his confederacy of rebellion is given to us. The dragon also appears in heaven with the command to be whole. The word behold means to look or gaze with attention to perceive, discern, and to discover. So in other words, whenever you come across this word and it is found 31 times in the book of Revelation, it's not just a casual look. He's saying look intently like a detective. Discern what is going on. Behold, I want you. This is important. This is one of them. The dragon is described as the great fiery red dragon. Mark it well. The dragon appears 31 times in the book of Revelation. Notice this is a symbol and title of Satan, the serpent. The source of the persecution during the tribulation and great tribulation is satanic. Verse 9 will give us more specific on that. And when you have it in chapter 20, verse 2, it is very, very evident. It is the dragon. Everything comes from the authority of hell, from Satan himself, through the Antichrist. Now notice in verse 3 that the dragon is described as having uh, seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. This is a study all on its own. We don't have time right now. But uh, the seven heads and ten horns depict the power and authority over the Confederacy of Nations, as you know. This is the modern-day common market in Europe. Daniel 7.7, 7, uh, Daniel um, 7.24, and Daniel 10.14. You have the ten nations, the ten toes, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, and Daniel interpreted this is confirmed in the next chapter, verse 1. And I stood in the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horn, horns, ten crowns, and on his head, blasphemous names. It was the rising of the Antichrist through the power of the dragon who comes out of the bottomless the pit. The seven diadems on his head speak of royal crowns, ruling. It's not the word for. Uh, rewards the fannels like the Olympic Games, but it's a ruling crown. Remember in chapter 6, verse 2, he appears on a white horse, right? False peace with a bow, but there's no arrows. He conquers through diplomacy. The man is going to be a wizard. He's going to be people in awe. People are going to be in awe of him. We already have seen through history people who just get enamored with a man, and, and some of the things that he says and commands are so outrageous and so horrible, and yet they follow. Well, they're all nothing compared to the Antichrist to come. is in verse 4, the dragon is the enemy of God and Israel. His rebellion against God is given to us. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Stars refer to the angels. He was the head cherub over the worship of God in heaven until sin was found in him, Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19 tells us. He was created perfect in beauty, but not sinless, and he had a free will, and he chose that free will, and he exercised that free will to rebel against God. He fell and was cast down to the ground to weaken and destroy the kingdoms, and he threatened to dethrone God in Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. He's serious. Notice he threw them to the earth. The rebellion cast one-third of the angels out of heaven to the realm of the earth to oppose God and the people of God. Daniel eight ten is one of the passages, and there are many, many, many others. There are some angels so vile that they have been enchained in darkness permanently, Jude 6 tells us. They will never be let loose. We've already seen that there's four angels going to be let loose from the Ferry rivers during this time. So there's angels that are permanently bound. There's some that are temporarily bound. And then the rest of his fallen angels are fallen angels doing his bidding. Some of them are demons and they need to possess a body. But demons are fallen angels. That's all they are. But not all fallen angels are demons. We notice a distinction between them. Notice they are identified for us when we read the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 12, because the minute you and I are born again, we're born into warfare. Listen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You must understand as a Christian that the minute you're born again, the warfare just begins. And listen, it never ends until you go home. And I'm not talking your house. I'm talking about heaven, okay? So you need to put on the armor of God. You need to be wise. And you never need to come to an attitude of mind thinking that the devil's a pushover. Or that you characterize him as one with red peaches and a pitchfork. I wish it was that easy to identify him. He comes as an angel of light. All of the angels were created by God. For God. Things in heaven and earth, visible and visible, whether the thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, all things were created through him and for him, Colossians 1.16 says. That's identifying the ranks of angels, both good and evil. Now they were defeated by Jesus after he was crucified. He was in the grave and he descended to the lower parts of the earth. And he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, Colossians 2.15 says. And he scooped up all those who died in faith, and he could not be stopped. Why? Because he destroyed him who had the power of death, Hebrew says. Notice now that the dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to give birth to devour the child as soon as it was born. This describes Satan's plot to kill Messiah from the very beginning of the promise. The promise back in Genesis 3.15, we opened up with that. The warfare began back then. Think with me. Cain killed Abel. That's the first attempt by Satan to stop the promise of God for Messiah to come. You have Esau attempting to kill Jacob, from whom the 12 tribes would come. You have Pharaoh attempting to destroy Israel. You have Herod attempting to kill the Messiah who was born in Bethlehem. So you have a constant warfare, which is satanic, against God and the people of God and the promises of God. Notice in verse 5 and 6 that the child and woman are protected. The child is the son of God. Verse 5 is very, very clear on this. She bore a male child who was to, be, to rule all nations with a rod of iron, the Messiah, is identified here by John by his reign on the earth, the millennial kingdom. This cannot be ascribed to anybody else. You cannot mistake who this is. He will rule all the nations with a rod of iron, meaning absolute sovereign control. All nations is repeated over and over and over again in Psalms and Acts and the book of Revelation. Look at the word rule it means the shepherd with the understanding of feeding tending and keeping the flock is used in revelation 7:17 7, and 12:9 again he'll be used and as i said all nations appears 5 times alone in the book of revelation to make sure there's no mistake he will rule supremely over the entire world when he sets up the kingdom 12:5 4, 15:4 18:3 and 18:23 now notice there in verse 5 that, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. So the Messiah is identified as the one who rose from the dead and ascended up to heaven here by implication. The same word appears, as you know, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 4 by Paul. It is the word harpazo. He was harpazled. It's the same word that's a counterpart to rapture, rapiri in the Latin. Every time this word appears, of the 13 times in the New Testament, it means a sudden, violent jolting. And whatever the context is dictating, we see a transportation, translation of something or some person from one place to the other. Philip was baptized in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, and he was harpozled from the desert to Azotus. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, he was caught up harpozled from earth to heaven, the third heaven, paradise. The child is heart-puzzled. In Acts chapter 1, he ascended up to heaven and the angel said to the disciples, Why do you men stand here gazing at him? The very same way he left, he's going to come back. And so the Messiah said to beware on his throne. We just finished Hebrews about a year back. The key scripture that was repeated and used more than in any other New Testament book was Psalm 110 verse 1. He is at the right hand of God. He's on his throne. It's a topic of Acts It's a topic of many of the epistles. In fact, Acts tells us when Stephen was being stoned by the false witnesses in Acts 75:5, he says, "But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God to receive the first mark of the church there." Jesus is on the throne. And you know what? He's not biting his nails. We're right on schedule. We bite our nails sometimes. We freak out at times. But God doesn't. In fact, when you read the Gospel of John in chapter 12, verse 41, John tells us that the vision of Isaiah in chapter 6, he saw Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus. John tells us that. Interesting. The entire process of the incarnation, the humiliation, and the exaltation of Jesus is given to us, as you know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Being in the form of God, he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he took on the form of a servant and he humbled himself, he emptied himself, and became obedient to the death of the cross. And for this reason, a name has been given to him above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amazing. Notice that the woman is the wife of God. Verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Underline prepared by God. Being divinely protected. It's a place that's prepared for her. Prophetic. Satan through the Antichrist will persecute Israel. It is believed that this particular place is the city of Petra in modern day Jordan. We've gone through it as we've gone through Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah uh, 16, 1 through 4. Send the lamb to the ruler of the land. From Sela, which is Petra, to the wilderness, to the mount of the daughters of Zion. For it shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of the nest, so shall the daughters of Moab at the fort of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day, hide the outcast, do not betray him who escapes. Let my outcast dwell with you, O Moab, be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, the title for the Antichrist. For the executioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. Ezekiel the prophet says something about this time also. Listen to him. In Ezekiel 20, verse 35 through 37, And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will plead my case with you face to face. Just as I pleaded my case with your fathers in the wilderness and the land of Egypt, so I will plead my case with you, says the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring you, bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord very very specific the cross reference here to the time and the place the city of Petra I have been at the red rose city of Petra it's a gorge wide enough sometimes only for a horse to get through it snakes about 4500 feet to enter the city and when you enter the city you open up to the temple treasury of the city beautiful and all the buildings are carved into the mountain a red rose sandstone God will protect her, provide for her there. Notice the woman will be fed there for 1,260 days. That's the three and a half years, exactly the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. The last three and a half. God will nurture her. The Antichrist will break the covenant in Daniel 9, 27 in the middle of the seven years. Jesus referred to it as the abomination of desolation as we've seen in Matthew 24, 15. In fact, Paul reminds us in Romans 11:1 1, that God has not cast off Israel forever, right? He has the remnant. Israel is the wife that has been put away by divorce. The tribulation and great tribulation is to prepare Israel for her Messiah. It's one of the reasons.
0: Pastor Xavier Rees explains the events leading up to the redemption of Israel, the nation. And you can request a copy of today's crucial message from Revelation titled, Israel, Messiah, and Satan. As always, it's available for just $4 on CD. Make sure you share this study with your friends and loved ones. The title to ask for once again is, Israel, Messiah, and Satan. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. How accurate is prophecy when it comes to God's chosen people? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings us more simple truths from the book of Revelation. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com